Hey, well, welcome to Really Your Marriage Can Get Better. I'm Joel here with... The Bright. The Bright. <laughs> Richard and Sherry. And we wrote a book together. It's called Really Your Marriage Can Get Better. And we thought it'd be fun to sit down and kind of share. This was the process, what it looked like for us when we were writing this book. We just sat around a table and just told stories. Yeah. And and I'll never forget one thing you said to me, Sherry. And when you said it, I, I had just been reading this verse and it was like the perfect sovereign divine moment <laughs> that connected everything. You said, Joel, there's something with this idea of you've got to shift from from like tipping to giving. And you told a funny story about Richard when y'all first started uh, tithing to the church. Tell oh that story. Yeah. So when we first started going to church, I, you know, I was raised in church, but my parents, you know, we did offering, we gave an offering. I guess my parents gave money. I don't know if they, I don't, I don't think they understood tithing. So I didn't really know what tithing was and I didn't even know how you pronounced it. Right. But then I saw it. Tithing? I heard, yeah. It was like, <laughs> I thought it was tying. I didn't even know there was an H in it, you know, tithing or something. And so, uh, then I saw people were showing me these scriptures about where in the Bible it showed like to, if you gave your 10% to the God, your first 10% and then how he blesses that and how the windows of heaven would open and he would pour out more blessing. And I was like, who doesn't want more blessing? You know? So I'm seeing all this going, okay, wait a minute. I have always had bad luck. I, I felt like there was always bad luck in my life, not because it was bad decisions, but you know, uh, so that when I saw the tithe, I heard about tithing, I thought I'm going to tithe 10% of my income. And Richard and I had our money separate, which is not a good marriage idea, but because we've been married before, we decided to have our money separate. And I was tithing. I was giving the 10%. And I was not. I <laughs> said, nope, not giving my yeah. money to God. He has all that he needs. Well, Richard <laughs> liked to tip God. Richard would give, yeah. you know, like a crisp five. You know, he'd put that in the bucket like, okay, I'm, I'm going to tip God. Well, because, and pop it a couple times. Yeah, he'd pop yeah. it like a crisp, you know, like, a, like it was a hundred air, like he was a hundred air. We are such products of our parents because yeah. my dad was just anti giving your money to the church. And all he talked about was do not give your money to the church. Do not give your money to... If you have your, don't give it to the church. So I was not going to give any money to the church. And it's not that I didn't want to. It's just that that's the way I was brought up. And I thought I was perfectly fine. You know? Yeah. And Richard would say, don't give it. I said, we're not giving it to the church. We're not giving it to a person. He's like, they're just going to buy big cars and do all this. I said, Richard, we just need to be obedient. We just need to give what God, you know, it's God's anyway. Like he's going to do more with that 90% than we could have ever done with a hundred percent, you know? But anyway, so I was tithing and Richard then started seeing things happen. Good. Like my business started really going, things were going really great. So he decided one day he calls and said, um, Hey, that whole tithing thing. He's like, I think maybe this week we should put our money together and let's do 20%. And I was like, like the heavens had opened, like God, had, like he got it. Like, that's what I thought. He understood this whole, this whole principle. And I said, what happened? Like, what, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, I think it's better odds than Vegas. I think we should double down on Jesus. <laughs> I was oh like, wah, wah, wah. Oh, man. So, so you would give, and then like, how did you decide what to give? Well, I, I, the Bible says, be a cheerful giver. I didn't hear that. Whenever the pastors would say that, I thought they were saying, be a tearful giver. So I cried every time the basket came by. I wanted to make sure everybody knew. And he, the, he, he would, but you would tip like based on what he made that week. Like, like, okay, well, I'll give God, God did give this week. I, mean, I got 20. two jobs. So yeah, maybe 20. this week I'll give him two fives, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, that leads right there. You said the cheerful giver, which is one of the key verses we use in the book is from second Corinthians nine. And when you shared your story, of tipping giving it triggered this verse in me and this is how the verse goes and it's so fascinating because it applies to money 
but I, we think it is the key to getting your the first step going and getting your marriage back on the track. It says this, it says, each one must give as he has decided in his or her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound. And so basically what this principle is saying is you're supposed to give cheerfully, right? If you want the credit. But uh, here's the thing. We know the reality is uh, even in a marriage, like you get to a point where just like, I I can't, I wish I could give a lot more love, but I ain't got none to give. But there's a beautiful thing here is, so you ask yourself, well, what can I give cheerfully because we're called to give not to tip and that's what's interesting the tipping versus giving tipping is it's this kind of transactional thing like hey you keep my water glass filled you keep my soda filled uh when when you leave the waiter gets a good tip right but that is a horrible foundation for marriage so when you shift from tipping to giving it's saying okay i know that i should be giving more to this person right now but there's too much water under the bridge so you ask yourself this is the start what can i cheerfully give and that's where the second part of that yeah. verse kicks yeah. in and god is able to make all grace abound to you so that's where we talk about the starting small concept in the book is yeah you know that you should be doing more loving to your spouse but what can you do right now without resentment you know maybe you can rinse off his dishes that he left dirty in the sink again or whatever. Or so, I mean, what are some examples of that, of the small things that you can take steps you can take, even though, you know, in heart, your heart, like I, I know we should be like, you read these marriage books that are like, you should be this and that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we're so far beyond that. Beyond that. Well, and I think too, it's that cheerful giver is such a, that, that word is so important because it's what can you give cheerfully? Because we have, I mean, I was giving to Richard. We were living in the same house. We we were ready to be divorced, but I still went through my normal things every day. Like I was constantly giving to him, constantly waiting on him and cleaning, doing the laundry, cleaning the house, taking care of the kids, giving, 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 but it wasn't cheerfully. Mm. I just felt like Cinderella. I would tell him, I feel like Cinderella. We feel ball, what you, know? you feel like is when you leave that restaurant and you've tipped the waiter 20% when you should have stiffed him, you know, and you talk about it, you get in your car and you drive home. You're like, I can't believe he did this. I can't, why'd you, you know, and because I used to be a waiter, so, or a server, you know, and I can't say waiter, sorry. I apologize (laughs) to all the waiters out to all the servers, but I used to be a waiter. Okay. Um, but you, you know how that feeling like, Oh, I got ripped off. Well, we still have that same feeling with our spouse. When that happens, you still have that, man, I was kind. I was nice. I did this. I did that. I, well, when and, you're not giving it cheerfully, right. you do. You feel like you got like you got ripped, you know? Right. And so cheerful giving would be, you know what? I'm going to give this out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah. And it's it's not, you know, even if it doesn't feel sacrificial, it's saying I'm going to give what I can give cheerfully right. and just start there. Something's And okay. don't respect to resp- expect a response because then you're back into the tipping relationship. Right. right. But that sacrificial is huge. What you just said, that's huge. That's sacrificial. When you do it sacrificially, then you are putting something on the altar. You're like, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm willing not, to do I'm going to set down my sarcasm. I'm going to set down my pettiness, my anger, my frustration, and I'm going to give this mm. all the love that I have because that's what Sherry started doing. And, you know, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. We had so little knowledge truly of what marriage was. We had so little knowledge truly of what God wanted to do in our marriage. And once we started to... And it's not like all of a sudden, you know, you step into church the first day and the arch is open and the ark opens and you get all of this knowledge and you're able to save your marriage as soon as you walk out. It doesn't happen like that. 
it's a little bit at a time. Well, I think we thought we had a lot of knowledge, but we had world knowledge. Like we had what we'd, I've been married two times before. I was like, look, I got this thing. Like I know what, what marriage is, but we didn't have, we, we had what the world system said things were. We didn't understand God math is different than, Mm. than the world's math. God's math, it's a, it pays differently. It, you, you give it differently. You don't I'm give I'm glad you said world get. math. I thought you were going to say wife math, you know, because wife <laughs> math never works out. <laughs> I get shortchanged all the time. <laughs> You're welcome. So I think what's amazing here is as you see, like, so with you guys' relationship started to turn when you started to figure out, uh, okay, I'm going to give to him and I'm going to give what I can give, not resentfully. So I, that's, I think that's one of the big challenges. That's why I, I never like going to conferences where I'm going to walk away feeling worse about myself than when I went where you walk into a marriage conference and you're like, yeah, I already know I should be doing all this stuff. And they just made me feel (laughs) even worse. Yeah. Yeah. But the power of this, and I think this was our our hope with the book is that we've always said at the start, this isn't like any other marriage book, right? We know that things sometimes get to the point where it's like, yeah, here's the ideal, but let's just start here. And I think that's the essence. What the beautiful thing about this is this is the essence of faith. God never asks us to take leaps that he hasn't already built us up to being prepared for. And it's always, a, everything he asks of us is a little bit stretch. It's a stretch beyond where we're at right now because he wants us to grow. Um, but I mean, that's the powerful thing about this is you look at it and you say, there's no way that would work. There's no way that worked. Or I've tried it before, but you were actually giving mm. not cheerfully, yeah, right? right? So I think this is one of those things where it's, it, the step of faith is, okay, if this is really the case, then we're going to start with what, what is the, what's already in my heart that I can yeah. give cheerfully? And that's where I love it says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. And grace is just unmerited favor. Yep. You didn't deserve it. Right. You get it anyway, you right? right? Which is essentially what you're giving to your spouse yeah. when they don't deserve yeah. it. Right. They have not reciprocated. Oh, that is okay. so huge, Joel, because when I knew that I did not deserve the grace that she was giving me, God was speaking to me like oh, mm. like an open book, page and after page, and I was receiving it. I'm guessing he, his was more potent than her oh my yelling gosh, at yes, you. Yes, God yes. speaking always gets the job yes, done, right? Yes. Well, and I can say, you know, talking for the people that are performance-based type people, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe the more uptight people in the world like me, but, but for me, I could not see giving to Richard, the concept of giving to him, something that he did not deserve what I thought he deserved or that he didn't, he didn't earn or he wasn't respected. Like I, how do you, I'm not going to reward bad behavior. I had three kids. I don't reward bad behavior. And then why was I going to reward it in my other kid? You know, (laughs) that time, you know, seven on the Enneagram. That's why (laughs) be free. He's like a free range husband, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right. But I didn't, that whole, I could not get that concept in my mind for years of why would I give to him and why would I let him see my hand? Yeah. You know, because then now that's vulnerable. And then now that's, if you're not playing open-handed, which poker is not an open-handed game, right. you'd be a fool to yes, show your be hand. Yeah, a fool. And every yeah. time I did show my hand, man, I would always tell him, I feel like I'm on a carpet that every time I step on it and I think, okay, whew, like Lucy and Charlie Brown, like immediately that carpet would get ripped out from under me. And I was mm. like, oh, I fell for it again. You know, I'm not going to let him see. Which again, ties back to the, the power of this verse. I just, it's still, and the more I read it, I just keep getting more depth from that idea that God is able to make the grace. He's, he's able to make grace abound to you, the ability to love your spouse, even when they don't deserve it. And then it says this, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, and that's sufficiency. So many times we feel 
insufficient to resolve the issues in our marriage. And the reality is sometimes it gets to a point where you are insufficient yeah. on your own. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to have to depend on yeah. the God. But then I love this line. It says, so that you may abound in every good work. And like, if your marriage is going to be resolved, uh, and this sounds again, such a cliche, but you've got to have God in the mix yeah. because you're, how are you ever yeah. going to give if you don't have God's example of giving to you as yeah. an example? Because you can't do it in your own strength. That's what people say. Well, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you trust Richard again? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like I, it wasn't, it wasn't me. I mean, it was truly pressing in and, and God had to give me grace day to day. Cause it wasn't like for the whole, you know, he only gives you the grace for that day, but that's how I got through it because I couldn't do it in my own strength. I tried, I white knuckled it for years. We mm-hmm. white knuckled it for years and just trying to, um, to give to him, give something that I didn't feel like he deserved. And he, and we were in a really bad place. I mean, where I would tell Richard, you know, your words mean nothing to me because of his actions weren't backing it up. He would in turn, if I cried and said, look, our marriage is falling apart. We need counseling. We're going to be another statistic. He would say, your tears mean nothing to me. So you know, that's how bad so we much, were. So <laughs> Richard, much you were a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get past this really quick. Thank you for you know stalling on there, Joelle, and bringing it back to the forefront. But you know that, that's that's ex- so true. That's so true. We're so hurt, and it wasn't that Sherry had hurt me. I had just divorced out of a marriage that was all about hurt and resentment and just compiled and compiled and compiled and now I meet this new person of my dreams and it's not going to be the same she understands me first. she gets me she finally <laughs> I found someone who knows me she's my boo oh my gosh we were so you know, mates we're soulmates you she know takes me just as I am just yes. as I am oh, we did and so then I realized <laughs> oh my god she's not my soulmate she's my cellmate yeah and I'm like I need parole yeah, man I'm like I'm, I got a life sentence <laughs> <laughs> I need to see the warden you know and I realized that you know as if, if we would have kept doing it the way we thought it should have been done, we would have never figured out how marriage worked. We had to have God in the center because God's the one who created marriage. So how are we going to listen to what man says to do about marriage? And I know that's hard as people who are so for marriage to get up and say, hey, look, this is what we did. We're just giving examples. This is what worked for us. This is what didn't work for us. You have to find what works for you and what doesn't work for you. But I do know one thing. If you're in the middle of something that you cannot resolve and divorce you think is your answer, then divorce is a symptom of the problem. And divorce is... Uh, it's not the answer and counseling getting help is the answer it's cheaper than a divorce Mm. and guess what for all of that pain and that hurt that you're feeling that you've carried a lifetime man when god starts to reveal and starts to heal oh my gosh all of a sudden your marriage gets powerful and it gets strong and the unity starts to grow and you start to realize that there is a satan that is trying to destroy your marriage and you can fight him, and but you fight him through prayer. Yeah. So we talked about the idea of, of with the cheerful giver. What can you give cheerfully without resentment, even if it's a small thing? That I should be able to, you know, I'm just going to make him a dinner. I'm going to wash his clothes again, or I'm going to wash his dishes again. But I'm not going to do it resentfully. And resentment, again, is when anytime you hear uh, always or, or never, like mm-hmm. you never clean your dishes, right. you always, you're right. always you know, late. You know you're dealing with resentment. Yeah. That's a key word yeah. we found that always and never, those are, trigger words, right? So what did you guys do? What was, I want to hear Richard's first step and then, and Sherry's first step. Sherry, what was your first step 
of. So I was going to say, there's a couple things that happened that, um, that I, the first thing that happened probably even a couple of years before that bought us a couple more years to get to the second thing that I, I, I think that I felt like I gave was that I decided that Richard was not going to steal my joy anymore. And, and that we had gone to church a lot. We were going. So basically to, I was Satan. <laughs> <laughs> joy but, thief. <laughs> you know, we were listening to, um, you know, listening to our, uh, the messages on Sunday and we'd buy the CD and we were listening to it. And it was just all about, I'd never heard anyone talk like that. I'd, I just never heard about not letting people steal your joy. And like, you actually have control over that. And I was like, no, Richard's making me this way. It's because of him mm -hmm. that this is it. Instead of taking control saying, you know what? I've got to, he can't steal my joy. No matter what he does, I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to love God. And I, I can't worry about trusting Richard. I have to trust that God is going to either work this thing out. I thought, I didn't even know at that time he was going to work our marriage out. I was like, he's going to figure a way that I could poison him or something. I don't know, you know, where quietly he could just go away. Uh, but I think it was just not letting Richard steal my joy and being kind to him when he didn't deserve it. Again, is that word, but, but just treating, calling those things that were not as if they were like, I started calling out things that I wanted him to be instead of pointing out what I saw with my eyes. And I think just like anybody, when you start seeing the good in people and then that you start raising that bar, he started to see it for himself. You know, when I, one of the first things I remember when you were talking about going from tipping to giving, I remember asking Sherry, can we just go one day? Do you think we can make it one day without fighting and without arguing? Let's just go one day. And she's all like, okay, let's do it. So the very next day, we didn't fight. We didn't argue. I don't think we even talked to each other. But that keeps the fighting yeah. down. It did. And we didn't fight and we didn't argue. But in my mind, I thought, wow, we made one day without fighting wow. and arguing. So I met, I remember I was so excited. So I go and I tell her the next day after the day we made it, I'm like, we made it through yesterday and we didn't fight and we didn't argue. And Sherry goes, yeah, but we didn't talk about anything. We're not we dealing didn't resolve with anything. anything. We didn't deal with anything. And I go, but yes, we didn't fight. And so to me, <laughs> You know, I saw that we could do this. Let's just go another day. And we made it like three or four days. But right? I think it's because, you know, going even talking about the Enneagram thing, like because you're a seven and you're just like free and fun and you were just like, but but it's way more fun to just have fun. Were, yeah, we didn't even know, know that back three. then, but yeah, now I yeah. see it. I see emotionally wise, like he just wanted to, he, he just wanted things to be good. He wanted it to be happy all yeah. the time and i was sevens a, don't like to deal on those no, negative they don't feelings want to deal for long with it. Yeah. and i'm a three i'm like i'm an achiever like let's get this let's get to the root of it let's pull out the the root of this thing let's, let's, kill, let's the kill the root let's achieve let's mark it off our list you <laughs> and know go on to the next yes step, and know? let's go on and let's be victorious like i wanted to tackle everything in our lives so we could i wanted to us to get better so let's look at the let's look at this from the enneagram angle of the taking the small steps so for a three the challenge you're always feeling is i've got i don't have enough right I don't have enough time. I, I, I've, there's so much I've got to do. I don't have enough. And that could be the challenge with the small steps is you're looking at the 40 steps that need yeah, to be taken. You're like, good. it's going to take 40 steps to yeah. get there. You're as, as achiever, your issue is just take the first yes. tiny Do steps. something. Because doing something is better than being paralyzed yes. and doing nothing because yep. you know you should be more than that. And I think, so a three, that's an interesting challenge. Take, of, is Take action. Yeah. And whereas it's like take action, but take small action. Right, 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 right. Just yep. activate something. Pivot. Yes, yeah. as, as I heard Stephen Furtick recently say, just pivot. Sometimes it's just a pivot. It's not like a big, huge change. It's just a 
a little bit of a turn, a which is, different way. Which is how this verse could apply yeah. to you too, is you're already doing this stuff. Can you just shift your attitude yeah, a little bit yeah, and do just, it? And, and cause some, most of the time it's how, the view you take of it yeah, that makes the difference. Yeah. And then for Richard for a seven, your challenge was sometimes the step is painful. The first step is painful and you'd rather just avoid the pain of any step, right? Come on. You know what he used to call me? A buzz killer. That's what he said. <laughs> you are a buzz killer. Even when it wasn't about like everything in life, I was a buzz kill. <laughs> so em- Emily's, a, Emily's a seven and I'm, I'm an eight and so I always feel too. bad for her. She's like, she's like the things I have, cause I'll wake, she'll wake up in the morning and she'll be like, I'm going to drink coffee. And I'm like, Emily, what do you think of this existential crisis issue? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, Ah, that's so funny. Does it go with cream? This is how we are too. I can't wait for him to come home some days because I have so much information that I have loaded into this three. Like so, I've taken webinars and like right now we're uh, it's during the the quarantine, so I have all this time to to listen to stuff and watch stuff, and I'm learning, 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 and I can't wait for him to get home so I can just unload all my my new knowledge on Richard. And you can just see him looking like his eyes are going to roll back in his head. Like, oh my god. And then I learned this, and then I learned this, and, and guess you what? Know this? And Don't then use that when you do a text, and then you get. And I'm just like, mm, you know, <laughs> overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's this, that's what's going to be interesting too, as as people who are listening to this work this out. And and one of the key, I mean, know yourself. One of the best things you can do. We talked about that in the first episode. Is you know, there usually aren't marriage problems. They're just people that have problems that yeah. bring them to marriage. So one of the most important things you can do is get to know yourself a little bit better through things like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, these tests where you figure out how do I deal with life? Um, Because how you approach anything is pretty much how you approach everything. So uh, if you start to realize how you approach things, like I like, I'd rather avoid the pain of anything, right? Then you realize, okay, there's going to be some steps that are going to be involved, but the, Again, it's the delayed gratification. I know that my wife's a seven, so I understand it. <laughs> I, and her thing too is uh, you the, get jo- him. the joke we always make is uh, with her is I say, yeah, I guess anything doing is worth overdoing. And she's like, <laughs> absolutely, yes. Yeah, so so, so uh, she she finds things that bring pleasure and joy and happiness, and you just overdo them, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but the good thing about Emily is she had a she had an angelic she has that angelic part of her. Richard was like, anything worth doing? Like we people's like, do you guys drink? We're like, well, we tried, but you know. Like, like I would have, I want one or two glasses of wine. Richard wants one or seven. You yeah, know? <laughs> so we just had to not because it's like, why does everything have to be overdone? That, there's such an element though of once you know yourself a little bit better, yes. you'll recognize, okay, here's going to be my hindrance to taking yes. that first yeah, step. Yeah. So like yes. the one is, the one would be the perfectionist, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if I can't take the first step perfectly, if yeah, I can't execute yeah. this perfectly, yeah. I'm just not going to yeah. do it. And I'll just rather be critical of yes. everything that's not done. But I don't know the outcome. Yeah. And so there's there's all these unique elements of our personality that come into play with it of that, that keep us from taking that first step. And not to mention just fear of failure. I, I see that so many times. It's like, I just feel stuck. And I realize what it is for so many people is if I take this step and it doesn't work out, does it mean something's even deeper wrong with me? Because they gave me the formula and it didn't work for me. So is something really wrong? With, like, am I irreparably damaged? And mm. and uh, you can't go into it with that fear. You have to go into it with faith. And again, fear and faith aren't opposites. Fear is just faith in the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It's right. trusting yeah. that it's going to go bad. Yeah. It's yeah. going to go bad, <laughs> which oh, based on past down. experience, it may have. Yeah. But you guys are a perfect example of, yeah, yeah past experience doesn't necessarily predict the future when God gets involved. That's you know right. what? Let's say Richard and I, one of the things that attracted us to each other and one of the things that we, we used to say, we could, we want to have a, uh, um, 
what do you call it? A reality show. We said we want to have our own reality show and we were going to call it Top My Drama because we thought that we had, we just had the market covered on drama and bad luck. Like it, we were, we were pig pen in the Charlie Brown series. Yes. We walked around with a little cloud. A dust cloud. And yeah. we, and we were proud of it. Like we were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you, let, let me tell you what we're, happened to me in 1987. Oh my gosh. It was just like, oh, you think that's bad luck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Let me tell you what happened I lost to me. all my blood and died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yes. I've had none lives, <laughs> you know, I mean, but just all these things that we just really believed that it was just all about bad luck and, you know, and this was the life that we lived. And I look now with so much love and so much care, I couldn't even imagine me, my my mouth formulating, I your tears mean nothing to me. I, I couldn't say that to my wife now. I, you'd have to kill me for me to say that mm. because her emotions mean so much to me. Her life means so much to me. I want her to be everything that God has created her to be. But there was one point in time in our marriage where I wanted a divorce, I wanted out. And I look back now and is I didn't want a divorce. I wanted out of this pain mm. that I didn't know how to deal with, Joel. And I didn't know how to deal with that. And I didn't think marriage was the answer, you know. Yeah. And I wanted to feel good. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be full of joy. And this marriage just isn't working. And, you know, that, that pain that I was carrying and harboring my whole entire life, I didn't understand that God put me in this marriage and gave me the person that was going to help me walk that pain out if I gave her the chance and did it his way and not my way. And that was the hardest thing to learn. But once we started, and it wasn't like he just gave us that revelation overnight. Yeah. It was in time and in process. And I mean, that's, that's one of the beautiful things about God. And I think that's why I, I really think this verse reflects his heart, even for marriage is he's saying, look guys, I know that life is broken. I know things are messed up. I know you've had some bad experience in the past some disappointments. Some people really burn you. Um, I'm not asking you to create some sort of massive love that's not there yet. All I want you to do is take a small step. And isn't that how he finds, like when he finds us, isn't that what he does with us? Yes. He just takes us exactly like we are. And and we're all like, but I should be more. And he's like, yeah, but I know what you're out, man. I made you. You're, yeah, you're yeah. dust, buddy. Yeah. You're talking about dust cloud. You, you really are made from dust. It says, it, King David says, he knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. God knows where you're at right now. Um, he knows how messed up the marriage is. It's not like he, he can't see through your roof, right? right <laughs> he right, sees the stuff. Right. He but, knows. but he's asking you, he's, and this is the powerful thing with God always, I've seen this, is he has miraculous power available to us, but he's not going to activate it until we take the first step of faith. That's right. So a lot of times we're saying, God, restore my marriage, restore Save my marriage. Me. And he's yeah. saying, you don't even understand how much power I've got stored up for you. If you're willing to start giving cheerfully, shift yeah. from that transactional thing to the way I love you is I'm just going to keep pouring out love, even if you don't reciprocate, which is the difference between a covenant and a contract and yeah, marriage yeah, is a yeah, covenant. Yeah. That pouring out of love. And then that's when he's able to make all grace abound to you. And you're saying, now I can't even imagine those words having proceeded from uh, my mouth. But here it is. How long have I been married now? Uh, well, we've been, it'll be 15 years married next two weeks from now. And we've been, but we moved in together two weeks after we knew each other. Sorry. We count those first two weeks, two years. Okay. It was rough. <laughs> 17 so you, years together. So 17 years <laughs> together, roof, yeah. 17 years together. And here you are just, it's been a slowly God pouring out the grace. And, and that's the beautiful thing too, is as he pours out the grace, it gets us stronger and stronger to receive more of his grace to do more, which is basically what we're saying in that whole chapter. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, when, when we were in those 
places that was such a dark pl- time and such a dark place. We just wanted some reassurance. Like we wanted God to show us. I needed to see facts. I didn't want to go on faith anymore. I didn't want to trust. I didn't want to waste another few years. I mean, life was ticking by, you know, like the older we were getting, I was thinking, I can't spend 15 more years with this dude. And, and I'd already been married 15 years the second time. Like I can't do this again. And then it not work out. Like I need to know it's going to work out. Like I was telling God stuff like that, you know, but now looking back, if God had given us even a glimpse of what he had in store for us, what our life was going to look like, we couldn't have handled it because we Mm -hmm. would have had I truly believe, and there's a scripture in the Bible. I don't even know what scripture that is because someone told, I said that story once and they said, well, that God talks about that. Like if you, if, uh, if you couldn't handle everything that he has for you, if you could see it, that's why he doesn't let us look into a crystal ball and see everything, you know? Um, but we couldn't have handled everything that God had for us, but gosh, he, he just, if the devil's fighting you that hard, just, you just have to know that something good is out there. God has a plan for your marriage, but he's waiting for you to get out of your own way. He's just waiting for you guys to take that step, do something and stop fighting with each other and just surrender, you know, just. Joel, you said something that was very important a minute ago. You said that, you know, that we had to do something that God was asking us to do something first. And Joyce Meyer came and she was speaking in our church and she taught a powerful message. And she said, after the resurrection, they all met at the tomb and Jesus said, roll away the stone. So she said, do you not think Jesus could have rolled away the stone on his own? But he didn't. He asked for somebody to do something. So once some, he did, once he rolled away the stone, then he was able to do what he was going to do when he called Lazarus out of, out of the grave. Oh, I'm sorry, I got my, my stories mixed up. It was when Lazarus, she wanted to make sure, he said she, he was good and dead, like he was dead, dead. dead you know, He dead. wanted to make sure that everybody knew four days later, Lazarus was dead, dead. But when he got there, he had them roll away the stone. He could have rolled away the stone. So Jesus is asking us in marriage to do something. He's yeah. asking us to roll away that stone so that he can do what he can do. And he's just not, we're not going to be able to sit back and just, Jesus, I need you to heal my marriage, heal her, you know, oh, thank you, you're not doing it. He, he needs us to step up and do, as a husband, what has he told me to do that I need to be doing in order to have that marriage that, that I want, and vice versa. You know, he's asking us to do something. Which leads perfectly, uh, I mean, it's a great summation of what we're talking about in this cha- this, uh, this podcast, and leads perfectly into what we'll be talking about in the next podcast, which is the importance of choosing to give in advance, even if they're not going to give, as AKA for giving. Giving before. Love that God. is so good. We ought to put that in a book. book. You know what? <laughs> oh, we did. We, yes. <laughs> brilliant. So it's brilliant. Speaking of that, hey, if people want to get uh, sign up for you guys' email list, what do they need to do to do oh, that? They could try, type, uh, text the word bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, which is our last name. Text the word bright to 66866. That'll work. Yep. And we have a bunch of videos. We have like 60 videos right now in our marriage video library. They're all free. We'll send send you a way to see those. To video heaven. Awesome. Well, good talk. Looking forward to our next episode. For more encouragement for your marriage, pick up a copy of Really, Marriage Can Get Better on Amazon.com and visit brightermarriage.com.